Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Indie Pioneers by Cosmetics Design Asia, where we get to hear from some of the most fascinating independent beauty brands from Asia Pacific. On this episode, my guest is Nicole Gilliver from Grandview, a family-run farm from Tasmania that has developed a skincare brand made from unwanted sheep's milk. We will learn how its agricultural background influenced its first beauty brand and discuss the hurdles facing the move towards circular beauty. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Very nice to see you again. Likewise. So before we dive in, could you tell our listeners a bit more about your brand? So we're a um, Tasmanian-based brand. For those who don't know, that's the little island off the bottom of Australia. Um, Tasmania is known for being clean and green, and um, we've been farming sheep and milking them and making cheese and and spirits for a long time. We have a business that's founded um, on a philosophy of sustainability, and recently we delved into sheep milk skincare. The benefits of sheep milk are reasonably well documented in skincare. Um, we've been producing cheeses from sheep milk that are um, functional and, and nutritionally beneficial. So we've just applied that across to skincare. Mm. So what made you decide to, you know, move over into skincare? Because it's pretty different from cheese and, and alcohol. <laughs> it's a very different space to agricultural food and beverages, that is for sure. Um the reason it propped up was because we uh, have contracted farmers who milk for us. Mm-hmm. The milk at the start of the season was not suitable uh, to cheese making. So given the nature of who we are, we like to solve problems rather than, um, you know, create costs around problems. Uh, we decided that we'd look peripherally for solutions with that particular milk. And what we found was that sheep milk has incredible benefits for the skin microbiome. Um, there's proven science behind fats in reducing redness, rosacea, um, even scarring. Um, and so we thought, well, what a perfect solution uh, that fits with our business values of sustainability and problem solving to shift it sideways into skincare. Hmm. So how has your agricultural experience, you know, informed the creation and development of UK? So first and foremost, we were farmers. Um, we farmed sheep, milked them to, to do what we do. Um, and I guess working on the land and working with animals, it gave us a very different insight into how we should be honouring the raw ingredient and the animals and the land from which they came. So. Um, on the land, you see in spades the impact of climate, of um, other environmental, social, economic and, um, you know, factors that that influence productivity um, and all sorts of different things. So we sort of viewed the whole skincare solution through a very agricultural lens. Mm. Um, we didn't want to go down a rabbit hole of creating another product range that was going to create a whole heap of um, other um, problems. We wanted to solve problems for, uh, rather than create other problems. And that kind of led us down a packaging route as much as it did care route. Now you have this very beautiful solution when it comes to your packaging. Could you tell me more about that? Well, essentially, and I guess... COVID kind of magnified this to a large extent. Um, it was, you know, the essence of, of 
beauty and how we feel and who we are and what we do is about fulfilling our senses. And people seek that fulfillment on many different levels. Um, and so with going down the rabbit hole of beauty and assessing the viability of sheep milk in a functional context and then viewing it through a lens of sustainable um, and ethical packaging, we arrived at the conclusion that um, in the beauty space it's it's full of um, of packaging that just simply isn't sustainable for a multitude of different reasons, which led us to the ritual and the sensuality and the, the, the senses that we engage when we when we look to beauty. Mm. Um, and in in COVID times where we couldn't go to a museum or we couldn't go to the cinemas or we couldn't engage in in sensory activities that we perhaps had taken for granted or restaurants, for example, mm. um, we arrived at the conclusion that one thing that we all have in common as humans is that we all need to feel and we all need to indulge our senses in varying capacities and therefore it stood to reason to us that the product itself should fulfil sensory purposes but so too should the packaging and then we tied that back in with our values of ethics and sustainability and came up with a very unique proposition which is a ceramic dome essentially hand thrown by a local artist with our um, our waste wool burned on the outside as a unique etching on each individual dome. Yeah, so it's like a completely um, unique piece. Everyone would get a different, a different one, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Every single one. And so all you do is just squeeze the, the little sachet that your cream comes in into the dome. Yeah. That's right. So the sachet itself is actually a bioplastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the box that it comes in is compostable, the wood cellulose that holds everything in place so as it doesn't break in transport is all compostable. Um, And these elements of consideration with regards to packaging were mandatory for us to actually feel comfortable taking something like this to market. Mm -hmm. Um, I have bought, I do buy um, plenty of online beauty products and I find it alarming um, continually how many you know, three, five, ten mil sachets of unrecyclable samples are sent with each package. I mean, we all know it. It's no secret in the industry how how much packaging needs to change. But more than that, we sought to reflect the ritual and the 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 sensory needs from product right through to packaging with UK. Mm. You know, sometimes we have these discussions about luxury and sustainability, and you know, sometimes they feel that. There needs to be a marriage between both. I think you guys do it so beautifully, um, you know, marrying the whole idea of sustainability and also having this very beautiful, luxurious product that you want to get up and use in the morning. Yeah, well, that's 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 how you should feel. You know, yeah. that's how it should absolutely make you feel. It, it, it shouldn't feel like you've invested, you know, let's face it, a reasonable amount of your income into a beauty product mm-hmm. only to be wrapped in a generic piece of packaging Um, or at least that's the way we feel about it our packaging proposition is not perfect and it will continue to evolve yeah speaking of evolution you guys have also come up with a more travel friendly version you're working on that right absolutely yeah it's still in process so i've managed to secure a, a grant to um uh to help me sort out what that 
packaging should look like. Um, I've spoken with scientists um, from the CSIRO in Australia about bioplastics and, and how they're evolving in the marketplace and, and what they're going to look like in the future. So that's information that I'm using to inform um, the next sort of line that we come out with. It will still be the day cream and the night cream as per current offerings, mm -hmm. but it will be packaged in a much more portable um, and, you know, travel practical uh, concept. So at the moment we're looking at, at bioplastics because um, everything we've done in the other two agricultural businesses is about sustainability from utilising a byproduct. Mm. Um, and that byproduct, if it's a byproduct, it then doesn't become waste. It becomes a usable item that fits in a circular economy of sorts. So um, bioplastics don't always have to go into compost. You know, you can reuse them and reuse them and reuse them. And that's why we're sort of, at the moment, we think we've narrowed it down to a wheat straw bioplastic mm -hmm. because it is that agricultural byproduct. You know, the wheat is used to feed people. The straw is a byproduct. We can utilise that as a bioplastic proposition. So that's where we're headed currently. Fantastic, fantastic. You know, um, so the, of course a lot of thought has been put into the creation of UCare and the products and, you know, the packaging and everything. You know, what are the kind of the main challenges you felt that you needed to go through? Especially coming from some, like, not from, not, not really from beauty background. Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think, I think the, the biggest one has been the packaging. Because beauty is so... Um, specific and each individual user has so many requirements around the manner in which they choose to or want to use a product. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we understand that we can't be everything to everyone, mm -hmm. but um, I'm a very, very easygoing, laid-back kind of person. So for me, the integrity of the concept is more important than having it in an airless pump, for example. Um, but some people are really stuck on that. So um, it's fascinating to me, having just come off the back of doing a consumer survey, um, where people's priorities lie within that, that particular section of, of consumerism. And um, I think we've got a little way to go in trying to uh, deliver to consumers products in the way they want it packaged with the sustainability and ethics that they desire. So it's it's a rabbit hole in itself. Packaging and beauty is is fascinating. And I actually did not think it would be this challenging. I didn't. Um, you I really, really did a consumer survey. Like so what is the priority of, of, of your consumers? The priority of, of our consumers was actually um, Transparency first and foremost. Okay, alrighty. Um, I think that's pretty logical. No one wants to be lied to. Um, the second concern was that it would solve their products, which again, it solve their problems, which I think is a again a, a reasonable um, assumption. Um, but way down the list, probably fifth in the line of assessing criteria was the um, sustainability of, of packaging. Third on the list was that the packaging performed and 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 
you could apply it in the manner in which you you were accustomed to applying it. Uh, that doesn't really surprise me. <laughs> it it doesn't surprise me now, given yeah. um, you know I've trialed a lot of products in the last two or three years, and there are some containers that just don't appeal to me. Mm -hmm. There are some containers that really appeal to me from a sustainability perspective, but they don't deliver in other ways. And mm -hmm. it's it's fascinating. Right. It's been a challenge. Of course, of course. Yeah. So you know, since entering the cosmetic industry, you know, what what do you think has been your biggest surprise maybe? Um I think my biggest surprise, to be honest with you, is the fact that there are two key drivers from an Australian perspective in um, ethics or sustainability in beauty, and it tends to be that it's not tested on animals, so it's vegan and cruelty-free. Um, they tend to be the benchmarks, and yet nobody seems to be really trying hard to solve the problem that the plastics in beauty almost invariably are very difficult to recycle mm -hmm. um, because they can't be washed out. If they're not washed out, then they become a contaminant and unrecyclable. So there's a lot of companies using recycled plastics or using recyclable plastics but the reality is there's no education at the consumer end about how to recycle those products. Okay, so, you know, it kind of seems all care, no responsibility. But if you don't do that and if you think that your buying priority is things not being tested on animals or them being vegan, I respect that. I understand that. However, the packaging has a greater impact on the environment and therefore the animals where the packaging ends up, you know, it ends up in oceans, than the ethical proposition of not testing on animals or being vegan. Do you see where the packaging cancels out the proposed benefit of the ethics of cruelty-free and veganism? Yeah, definitely. But it's not no, just, I think it's not just a beauty product. In, in general, FMCG, across FMCG, yeah. there's a FM lack of understanding of like... Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, FMCG is is massive. I mean, the volumes of plastics that we use, and I don't know how it is where you guys are, but in Australia, there's a big, big, big cultural question mark against whether or not we have the infrastructure mm. to actually recycle properly same, anyway. The same, yeah. I don't think, I think there's a lot of education being done. For me, from where I am in Singapore, there's a lot of education being done of like what you can recycle. Um, but I don't think it's really, people don't really understand. They just see a plastic and they just throw it into the blue bin. You know, they see something, think it's, you know, just, they think I don't want to be too cynical, but maybe it makes them feel like, oh, and I'm doing something and that, and it's easy to do and that's why they do it. But there is also the whole thing about, like you mentioned, right? Cleaning out the product. Does your, does your bottle have any labels on it that you have to peel off? And there's a lot of manpower that goes into that. Don't do it anymore. It's a big thing in beauty with beauty actually being billions and billions and billion dollar industry globally and consumption of beauty is only going up. Recycling of plastics is going down in Australia even though we've got a 2025 national target to 
commit to reduction and recycling. The issue with us is as much cultural as it is anything else. Um, Australians have been sold the notion of reduce, reuse, recycle, which is important. Everyone only hears the last R, and that's recycle. And yeah. recycle absolutely true, true, true. The key is to reduce. Reduce your packaging. Mm-hmm. Reduce is your number one positive impact statement. So if we're not reducing or reusing, recycling is your last ditch, but everyone only hears recycle. Mm. So with UCARE, what we've done is we've looked at the three R's and we've got, if you like, a layered circular economy of reduction. So you only buy the packaged item once. You reuse that pod and then you recycle or compost the rest of it. I mean, you you can. There is no reason why in Australia in particular where we're blessed with space. You can use any of the items used for packaging as grow your plants in them. If you want to stick them in the compost and, and be part of the linear process, then that's fine. But there's no reason why with the UCARE box, the UCARE wood cellulose, the UCARE bioplastic sachet, you can't reuse those over and over again as a, you know, put seedlings in them or do something creative with them. My children chop up the wood cellulose and use them as paint sponges, you know. There's any number of things that you can do with packaging, particularly if you've got kids, (laughs) (laughs) particularly without. You either entertain them. Well, yeah, we're in the country, so, you know, (laughs) we, we tend to get pretty creative with these kinds of things. But the moral of the story is, you're only participating in recycling as a last-ditch effort. Mm-hmm. Oh, very well said. I think I think as a consumer as and as a beauty or skincare producer, we need to encourage people and educate people to participate in the circular economy of packaging. Mm-hmm. And that's what it seeks to do, and that will be our next educational um, process. So, Nicole, could you tell me, are there any other indie brands that you admire for completely self-indulgent reasons i absolutely love ultraviolet of course yeah um so ultraviolet's way up there with me it's my absolute number one must have on my face every day and as a kid who grew up in queensland which is it holds the lofty position of the number one skin cancer capital of the world um I hated wearing sunscreen, can't stand it, but ultraviolet somehow has managed to formulate something that does not feel like putting sunscreen on your face. Um, And their new tinted range I think is fantastic. Um, I, I, I totally dig it. Like I have two tubes on the go at any one time. I've got one in my gym bag, I've got one in my work bag and one in my cabinet all the time. Um, so ultraviolet is, you know, it's poppy, it's fun, it makes wearing sunscreen not a chore mm. and I think super important. Yeah. It's back to the whole thing about sensory experiences that we were talking about, right? Because it's, the packaging is so lovely and it feels cool. Yeah, and the exactly. The textures are great, right? 
Yeah, I don't I don't feel like my mother's slapping sunscreen on my face and shoving me out the door with a hat saying, you'll get skin cancer if you don't, you know. It feels like something I want to do every morning. I think you have, I've been the second person who's come on this podcast to say that they love ultraviolet. At this point, I'll be remiss if I don't get them on. Yeah, yeah. But the other one that I'm really digging on at the moment is Morris Motley. And we talked about it earlier, but the I'm just so massive on a sensory experience in beauty. Like the the bottles that Rob puts his stuff in. It's a hair brand from Australia? Oh. It's yeah, so Rob was a hairdresser. Um he's been involved in um, you know, hair products and um hand wash and things like that for I think at least the last ten or twelve years. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing I dig the most is the the packaging is this beautifully printed heavy glass and it's kind of a black tint. Um, so it just aesthetically looks beautiful and feels beautiful in your hand. Like you, you feel like even if it slips through your hands in the bathroom, it's not going to smash everywhere. It's just really premium, really beautiful. Um, and it's really minimalist. But it's totally cool. The other thing I love is the products. Like the products are really, really beautiful. Um, the the hand wash I use, the smell of it just made me want to keep using hand wash. And you know it's COVID, so we're washing our hands a hell of a lot. But this, the density and the richness of the product was just incredible. Um, and the smell, like the 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 perfumes in these products are really subtle but incredibly complex. Like if if you are into perfumes that aren't, you know, generic and from every perfume counter in the world, which, you know, they all use very similar stuff, Rob's ability to put together aromas and scents is just next level. It's total, total. But not just that. Like the moisturising... Um, shampoo, aside from it not being foaming, it has this incredibly rich, velvety green look to it that is kind of pearlescent. Oh. It feels awesome. It's in awesome packaging. It looks awesome when you when you pump it out into your hand, like this rich green pearlescent colour. And in your hair it's fantastic. I totally dig it. It was such a revelation for me. Of course, you you should review products. <laughs> You're so descriptive. <laughs> I used to work in the wine industry. Rob should pay you right now because <laughs> no, it's 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 really 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 cool and it's really indulgent because you know it's not cheap and it shouldn't be cheap. None of this stuff should be I'm cheap. Just saying that like it says, I'm too poor to be cheap. <laughs> it resonates so well with me. Yeah, we're cheap as dear. So, you know, there's a reason why those things exist. But, no, it's cool. So Morris Motley and Ultraviolet, get on board. They're doing some really cool stuff. Oh, thanks so much, Nicole. I really enjoyed chatting with you again. Always have such a nice time. Thank you so much for doing this and, and, on, and being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. This has been Amanda for CosmeticsDesignAsia.com. Join me again in the next episode for more conversations with beauty's indie pioneers.